Welcome to Jesus Without Religion. I'm Mike Sinar, your host, and I'm glad you're joining us today as we discover Jesus through the filter of grace. If you are a Christian, you are about to see the love of Christ like you've never seen before. Never again will you fear God or feel that you are inadequate or not deeply loved by Him. We know some people call that a license to sin, but as we go through this series, you're actually going to find out that soaking in God's kindness and total forgiveness of all sin, yes, all sin, is the only prescription that will actually lead you away from the disease of sin. Hello and everybody, welcome back to Jesus Without Religion. We are resuming our study in the letter written to the Hebrews. And today we will be uh, diving into chapter 11. Uh, Just recapping though some of uh, what we've been uh, learning here about this letter to the Hebrews, at least in the first 10 chapters. Uh, Hebrews is is an interesting letter. It's written to Jewish people, Jewish people who um, have tasted this good news about the gospel of Jesus Christ. They've been uh, made partakers to this message. And we learned that the vast majority of these Jewish people, while they've tasted the good news, uh, instead of like just enjoying the whole meal and diving in and receiving that good news, well, they've chosen to run back to the temple. They've chosen to run back to animals for the forgiveness of sins. And what we learn is that there's no longer a sacrifice because Jesus is indeed the only sacrifice for their sins. And what we found out here in our first 10 chapters together was that there's not even one mention of outward sin, that the the writer has one kind of sin that he will discuss, and this was the sin of unbelief. It was the sin of rejecting Jesus Christ. And what the author is doing is he's giving the Jewish people uh, uh, the best reason on the planet to literally run from the Old Testament, the Old Covenant deal, and hold on, like just embrace this new covenant message founded on grace, founded on better hopes and better promises. So, I would encourage anyone, if you've not heard the first 10 chapters of our teaching, um, it really would inspire you and it would help you to go back and review those. And it will certainly help chapter 11 make more sense. And what are we going to be finding today? Well, today we're going to see these Old Testament respected men and women. We're going to see that they were approved by faith. They were approved simply by believing God. We're going to notice along the way that these uh, works, these deeds that were done in faith, they were not some kind of crazy, churchy, uh, do more or try harder works. We're going to see that, you know, these incredible Old Testament people, you know what? They don't have anything compared to what you have and what I have we have something better. You know, they never received the promises. And then you need to hold on to the end of the chapter because the main point, well, it's going to come right at the very tail end of it. So 
Let's go ahead and start with verse 1, and this is what he says. He says, Now faith, what is faith? It is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the world's that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. So what is faith? Well, we know that now that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. And how did men of old gain approval? Well, they gained it through faith. Now, this is our context. This is our building block that we need to keep in mind. Also, the Bible says the origin of the earth, people, animals, birds, all of creation, that it is indeed God. And verse 4 then says, By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, Though he is dead, he still speaks. So again, this is something interesting. I actually heard this from Dr. Farley once. I thought it was a great point. Uh, May or may not be correct, but I don't think he was saying it was. But it's very interesting that we notice here. Abel's, uh, Abel's sacrifice was animals. And God was pleased with his sacrifice. But Cain's sacrifice was grain. That was, it was grain. And it, for some reason, what, what's the difference in the two? As far as we know, I don't know. One is uh, vegetation and the other one is blood. And it seems like without blood, God is not very pleased there. So I, I don't know. I'm not going to build a big theology over it, but it's something to consider. Verse 5 and 6, he says, By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. And he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. The reward is the inheritance. I would encourage you, um, most of you, if you would grab your Bibles uh, and you would look up the verse, it's Colossians. So just go over to Colossians chapter 3, verse 24, and you're going to see he says this. He says, knowing that it is from the Lord that you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve, right? What must we believe also in chapter 11, verses 5 and 6? Well, we need to believe that he is, right? That he is the rewarder of those who seek him. So then we uh, head to verse 7. He says, for by faith, here's another great man, for by faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. So this is not about quantity, but it's about quality. Noah believed. Abraham believed, right? How do we become heirs of righteousness? Well, according to this, you do it according to faith. 
Watch out for those ravenous wolves that will try to take this faith and turn it into a laundry list of outward performance and you got to prove it and you got to do it and you got to do it again and do it again. That is not what the scriptures teach us and I would caution everyone to be careful for people who take our eyes off the message of faith. Work? Absolutely. Serve? Absolutely. But that is not how we get saved and that is not what the scriptures teach us. All right, so then we get to verses 8 and 11. He says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of the promise, as in the foreign land dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Love that. So again, Abraham through faith. And then it says, by faith, verse 11, by faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful, whom had promised. Therefore, there was born even of one man of him, as good as dead at that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Now, I don't know. Don't you remember uh, Sarah doing a little bit of laughing there? I'm not, uh, didn't seem like she had a lot of faith at that moment. But at the end of the day, this is the deal. She did believe God. And by her faith, it was credited to her as righteousness. Verse 13, he says, all these died. All these people died. All these great people we just spoke about in 12 verses, they all died in faith without receiving the promises. Very interesting, without receiving the promises. But having, been, uh, having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. Folks, these were some awesome Old Testament people, and they did not receive the promises. Are you kidding me? They had faith. They worked harder than any of us do, right? But the new covenant is not enacted until the one who made it dies. That's what we read in the scriptures. And unfortunately for them, they didn't have Jesus living in and through them, right? They had the Holy Spirit hovering over them, begging, please, please, Lord, don't take your spirit from me. And for us, God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. When you are faithless, I will remain faithful. What you have is better than Abraham had, better than Moses had, better than King David had. You've got it all because you've got the Spirit of God living inside of you. Verse 15, he says, And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. They were indeed looking for the kingdom, were they not? They were, but it was invisible what they didn't get. This was not a physical kingdom that they really need to find. It is a spiritual kingdom that they need to be seeking. Verse 16, But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. 
verse 17 and 19 says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, what did he do? He offered up Isaac uh, and he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. Mm, See a picture of Jesus here? It was he who it was said, and Isaac, your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead from which he also received him back as a type. Look, you know, I'm certainly not going to be, I think you'd be foolish if we think the message is let's just go around and taking our son's lives, right? Abraham was told that he would get his son back. Abraham would never have been considering this if he did not believe God would bring his son back. So he was told he would get his son back, and it was a picture. All this is, this story is a picture of Jesus. This is not some work, right? It's faith. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Verse 20 says, By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. Let's not overinflate this. Let's not put a, you know, build a crazy theology out of all this. It's very simple. By faith. That's it. They believed God. We do not need to make a six-hour sermon out of this and see how much we can guilt you into doing some more. That is not the context. I'm going to keep it simple. Again, what is the context? And it's two words, by faith. Then we continue into verse 23. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, he was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Uh, by faith, Moses, when he grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches uh, than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Now, I want to be very clear. This is a singular reward. There's a, there's a teaching out there about all these uh, gifts we're going to be getting in heaven and you want to have all kinds of gold and silver and jewelry strapped around your neck in your big giant mansion. This is reward. It is not rewards. Faith is the unseen, not what we can see. And then we get into verse 27. He says, By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured... Uh, as seeing him who is unseen. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch him. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as they were passing through dry land. And the Egyptians, when they attempted it, they were drowned. What what, What did Moses do here? He believed, I'm sorry, Noah, he believed, he believed God. Um, hang on one second here. I'm, I, I said, no, I meant to say Moses. He believed God sprinkling blood to be saved from death, walking through the ocean. This is not works. This is faith. This is believing God. Like literally, Moses is saying, I believe God. It does not take faith to go to church. 
does not take faith to be on committees, to be in plays, to go on a mission trip, to... It doesn't take faith to have outward works. Those are good things, but faith is something very different than works. Works is simply a byproduct that we can see, and we often do, as a result of our faith, but we need to be really careful not to combine the two from a distorted... Usually, this comes from a distorted teaching from James chapter 2. They grab on that one little part, and they build insane theologies out of them. We have a study on that as well. So Hebrews 11 verse 30 says, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. They believed God. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Marching around for seven days. Good Lord. Um, You might have given up after about the first hour and said, Really? Seven days? Look, these guys were told by God, This is what you're going to do. And you're going to do it for seven days. And you know what? By faith, they said, eh. I would imagine every one of them said, I don't get it. I don't know why seven days, but we believe this is what's going to happen. These walls will fall indeed, uh, and we're going to march for seven days, just as the Lord has asked. 31 says, by faith, Rahab, the harlot, she did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. Rahab, dare I say it, a whore, a prostitute, right? What was her only recorded work in the Bible? This, by the way, James, when he's in chapter two, I love this. He actually gives an example of works when people are trying to build a theology out of it. Yeah, show me your works. Look, the one of the two examples he gives. If this was about outward human works, James gives an example of a prostitute who her only work in all of biblical history. The Jewish people are there. She believes their God is real. That God is indeed God. She opens a door to let them escape. That was her faith. That's what she did. She proved that her work was literally the lamest outward work on the planet, but inwardly it illustrated her faith. And to our knowledge, there was never another work that she's ever done. It's simply not in the scriptures. So question, some takeaways here. Um, God asked, he asked Noah to believe him and go out there and spend years building an ark. Are we doing anything like that? Abraham was asked to believe God and sacrifice his son. Can you imagine the faith it would require to believe that God would bring your son back? Moses had to believe him and not fear the Pharaoh, right? Moses was not to fear the king. All of these were by faith in a future that was not visually seen, right? What is God calling us to do? On this side of the cross, what does God want you to do? And I think we get that answer. We're going to read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 through 34. He says, And what more shall I say? For time will fail me, if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, and of David and Samuel and the prophets. Now, I want you to check out this impressive resume, right, about what these guys did, because you ain't got nothing on these people. Who by faith conquered kingdoms, by faith performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, 
escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies into flight. You talk about a resume for God. Hoo-hoo, boy, these guys had it. Then it comes to verse 35. He says, women received back their dead by the resurrection. Whoa. And others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings. You know what a scourging? Will pretty much probably kill most people. That is not something light. Um, Also, they were put in chains and imprisonment. Verse 37, he then says they were stoned. I mean, guys, do you hear this resume? They were sawn in two? Get out of here. No, thank you. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts, and mountains, and caves, and holes in the ground. How does your life, how does your godly life stack up to these guys? I know mine doesn't. And to think what God has said to us, he says, what you have is better. God says, I have given you a better covenant founded on better promises. Now, why? Because it's not about you. It's not about you and your ability to keep 613 laws. Or it's not about you and your ability to repent from sin. It's not about you and your ability to get out there and do a bunch of outward works. It's about God being able to swear by no one greater, swearing to himself. That is the new covenant. The old covenant was God and man having a deal. The new covenant is God promising God. He will never leave you, right? He will never, ever forsake you. And now, for the whole point of the chapter, remember, I said, it all comes together at the end. And we get into verses 39 and 40. It says, And all these, having gained approval through their faith, they did not receive what was promised. Because God had provided something better for us Christians, right? So that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. What's better, folks? What's better is Jesus in you. What's better is you are in Christ. What's better is Jesus will never leave you and he will never forsake you. You have a better priest. You have a better covenant. You have better promises. Here's the newsflash. You have total love, total acceptance, and total forgiveness in Jesus Christ. God bless you all.